Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. Every week, we discuss issues including gender and environmental justice. This is Transgender Awareness Week, and the Human Rights Campaign is out with its annual report finding that dozens of transgender and gender nonconforming people have been killed in the U.S. so far this year. The LGBTQ advocacy organization says at least 302 people in those communities have died violently since it began tracking such killings in 2013. Most are people of color, and some were killed by an intimate partner. This as many states in the nation have enacted anti-LGBTQ laws. HRC State Legislative Director Catherine Oakley joins us to talk about why and what it might mean in the long run. That conversation after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. In 2022, we have identified 32 victims of fatal violence um, so far this year. Um, generally, the 32, uh, of those 32 folks, um, the vast majority, more than four in five um, of the people who have been victims of fatal violence um, are uh, people of color and particularly Black trans people. Um, Black folks make up the plurality of the victims, accounting for almost 70% of the victims this year, and 15% of the victims were Latinx. The other thing that I think is really important to note about the demographics here is that the vast majority of the victims are really young. More than three quarters are uh, under the, or were under the age of 35, um, and 10 were actually minors. Um, So overall, when we're looking at this report, we're seeing a really high, uh, a really high number of folks who are black, um, who are people of color, um, who are young, who are victims of this fatal violence. So I'm wondering why so many victims are black trans women and why are they so young? Well, what's deeply unfortunate is that when people are experiencing discrimination on the basis of multiple marginalized identities, that puts them at even greater risk. Um, Many of these folks were um, murdered because they are trans. Um, Many of these folks were targeted and murdered because they are Black. 
Um, and being Black and trans puts them in an even more dangerous position than being either Black or trans. Um, and so, you know, living at that intersection is a really dangerous place to be. And part of that is because there's so much discrimination on the basis of each of these identities that layered on top of each other, um, life becomes really difficult. <laughs> and um, folks are, are sometimes in situations that, that become unsafe. I know that the LGBTQ community has been deeply affected by everything from COVID to inflation, because as you said, there is so much discrimination. But talk to me about why the numbers of trans people are often underreported, those who are being killed or targeted for crimes. That unfortunately happens a lot of the time. And part of that is because of misgendering and dead naming of victims um, after uh, the the crime against them has been discovered. So um, more than seven in 10 of those killed over the last decade, including 60% of those who were killed in 2022, were initially misgendered by the media or the police. And that not only does that deny these folks the dignity and respect of acknowledging who they really are and that their lives mattered uh, in the way that they and their, their identities mattered, their personhood mattered. It also makes it very difficult to accurately identify and report on the fatal violence because um, we end up with an undercount of the true number of victims, which is one of the reasons why when we report on these incidents, we always make sure that we say at least because we know that there are folks that we uh, haven't been able to find and identify. So let me ask you about state legislation, because it seems to me, and I've been covering this issue pretty deeply, that there, I don't even know how many states have in, have enacted anti-transgender and anti-LGBTQ legislation. Talk to me about where this is happening and what some of the laws say. Unfortunately, 2022 was uh, a historically bad year for anti-LGBTQ legislation in the states. We had more than 345 bills introduced in 2022 um, that targeted LGBTQ people, and about 145 of those um, targeted transgender people specifically. And it is really important to make this connection because, of course, um, debating laws, introducing laws, and passing laws does not have a direct, a directly violent impact. But the indirect impact is really substantial. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. But I think ultimately, if you are refusing to acknowledge that transgender identity is a legitimate thing, if you are refusing to acknowledge that transgender people deserve dignity and respect and medical care and the correct use of pronouns, correct use of name, basic human decency and kindness, if you are unable to acknowledge that, um, and that is going to lead to things like violent outcomes. And it is important that the legislators who are embracing this rhetoric, the legislators who are there as representatives of their community, who are perpetuating this incredibly harmful rhetoric, um, they need to understand and take responsibility for the lies that they're spreading in state legislatures and for the real harms that are, are, are perpetrated upon people by having to hear this. Even if a bill is introduced but not passed, the mere debate has a really detrimental effect on folks who are, um, who are listening. And I think 
that's particularly profound when we're talking about LGBTQ youth, but and and also you know, transgender people more broadly. But I think it impacts the entire LGBTQ community. And frankly, I actually think it should make anybody who's a little bit different. Um, they should be nervous because that's that's what this is. None of this is because trans people are, in fact, doing anything scary or, or represent anything scary. This is about finding a vulnerable population of folks and othering them and denying their, their humanity, um, denying their uh, ability to determine their own future, their own self. And by doing that, um, those are the kind, that's the kind of rhetoric, those are the kind of statements that really lead to a uh, perception that being trans isn't real, um, that being trans is something that could be changed, um, and that, you know, harming someone who's trans is maybe not as harmful as it otherwise would be, right? So it's it's going down this road of, of dehumanization that makes physical violence, unfortunately, seem less bad. I've got to ask you to respond to some of the people that have supported or enacted these laws who are saying things like, well, a parent should get to decide when my children need to learn that LGBTQ and trans people exist in the world. And I should be the one that says what books my child can read. And, you know, our bathroom's going to be unsafe if there are trans folk in the bathrooms. Can you respond to their concerns? Yeah, I can. And look, I'm, I'm the parent of young children myself. Um, and I do really sympathize with how difficult it is to be raising a child in, the, in these, this day and age. There's so many challenges and there's so many things to be afraid of um, and so many things that we want to protect our kids from. And I think, un- unfortunately, this idea that trans kids are some kind of a threat um, to uh, cis kids is so... Uh, it's so just based on lies. It's based on misinformation. It's based on fear. Um, you know, there are kids who are trans who uh, have, like, there's always always been kids who are trans. This is not a new phenomenon. And our kids will likely have shared bathrooms with trans kids and they would never have known it. We've likely shared bathrooms with, uh, as a cis woman, likely shared bathrooms with trans women more times than I, I know. Wait, wait, and wait, wait, that, wait. I've got, to, I've got to jump in and just ask you to exchange, to explain cisgender for the listeners who don't know what that yes. means. Yes. So cisgender means that my identity is consistent with the sex I was assigned at birth. So when I was born, the doctor told my parents I was a girl and that has been, been true for me as I have, as I have grown up. Um, and, you know, thank you for stopping me there. Let me also say that, you know, there are ways to talk about these issues with kids that are completely age appropriate. It is no different from trying to talk to them about racism or about a challenging family member or any of the really COVID, any of the really hard issues that our kids are forced to talk about. You know, my kid goes through um, active shooter drills at school. If she can go through an active shooter drill, um, that is a terrifying thing, right? I hate it that she has to do that. But it is not scary for her to be able to say that she knows that when some kids are born, their doctors and their parents think that they're a boy, but it turns out actually they were wrong. And once that kid grows up, the kid is able to say, I'm a girl. That's not scary. That's not scary. And What's truly scary is that my kid has to do an active shooter drill. What's truly scary (laughs) is that I have to worry that she is not going to learn the true history of America 
in her public school because of concerns around, um, you know, editing racism out of American history. So, you know, there are a lot of I, it's what's truly scary is that I'm sending her to a school in the middle of a public school in the middle of a public uh, a global pandemic. There are lots of truly scary things about raising kids right now. And trans people are just not on the list. So let me ask you one more as we're coming out of midterm elections and we're headed towards the 2020 elections with track shoes on as the former president just announced his candidacy <laughs> this week. What effect do you think the midterms have had on the perception of trans people? And what are you looking forward to or worried about going into 2024? Well, I'll say to to slightly pivot, I'm really worried about 2023 in state legislatures. You know, I mentioned 2022 was really hard. Um, it was historically bad. And I'm concerned that the same will be true in 2023. I think to your question about the elections, one of the things that was really powerful, we saw across the country that folks like Stephen Miller were running ads that were trying to incentivize people to come and vote. Um, and based on lies about trans kids, lies about trans medical care, lies about trans kids playing sports, and that the American public did not respond. The American public did not take the bait. And I think that that's an incredibly powerful lesson that state legislators should really be taking seriously. They, it is clear over the course of the last several years that the bills that they have been considering are not based on real problems. No one was under the impression they were based on real problems, truly. Um, the legislators are all saying, well, what if, what if, what if? And they're scaremongering. And they're doing that because they thought it was going to, to be to their political benefit. And I think what the midterm showed very clearly was a rejection of extremism, a rejection of the divisive politics that we have been seeing where we're pitting neighbor against neighbor and a rejection of uh, candidates who felt that running on uh, transphobia was going to be helpful to them. So I really hope that that's something that state legislatures are taking to heart this year. Um, I really hope that that's something that that ends up manifesting in the same way at that state level. And, you know, I believe it will. I think that uh, this has been such a manufactured issue. Um, it has been so much scaremongering. And I think people are tired of being told to be afraid of things um, for someone else's political gain. Um, we, we have enough real things to worry about that um, being told to fear our, our neighbors, who, by the way, are also children, um, is just not something that we're willing to do. So um, I am really hopeful for what it means going forward. Um, and at the same time, there are states that we are going to really have our work cut out for us. And so we're going to have to continue to, to do that work. But um, I do think it's a really important uh, message from the midterms that there was a strong rejection of the divisive transphobic uh, rhetoric that folks were using in a really callous, cowardly way to try to get themselves reelected. So um, hopefully that bodes well for the future. That's Catherine Oakley, Senior Counsel at the Human Rights Campaign. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks to Alan Peng for his production assistance. Like what you hear? Come back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.